0: The views and opinions expressed by hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the views of the Global Liberty Alliance, its network, sponsors, donors, or broadcast platforms. The Global Liberty Alliance provides this podcast for informational purposes. Freedom of speech is a fundamental right and essential for free societies to prosper. Thank you for listening and supporting the mission of the Global Liberty Alliance dedicated to strengthening and defending fundamental individual rights, free markets, and the rule of law.
1: And welcome to another edition of the Global Liberty Alliance podcast, where we're back again in, in Guatemala with our, our good friend, Berri Marroquín uh, If you haven't listened to the first show uh, we recorded with her, we'll have a link at the bottom. I encourage you to listen to that one uh, before you listen to this one. Again, like always, we're coming to you from Alexandria, Virginia, right across the river from Washington, D.C. And uh, today we're going to unpack even more what's happening in Guatemala. In fact, there's some leading constitutional legal scholars who argue that there is a constitutional crisis, and it's a country that I love. I visited uh, many times when I was a child, and I've been able to reacquaint myself with it. Last time I was there, I was out in Zacapa. We're going to talk to Betty about that today and, and also talk a little bit about this crisis and how it impacts us here in America. Betty, how are you doing?
0: Hi Jason, uh, very well. Thank you so much for another opportunity to talk about my country and uh, our relations with your uh, wonderful country.
1: Uh, how, are, how are you guys faring right now with the, um, the pandemic?
0: Well, the situation here is uh, very peculiar. We have a tremendously small amount of uh, deaths, less than a thousand. We have, uh, and actually, same thing as, as what happened with the CDC in, in the States where uh, President Trump requested um, the countdown from, from the hospitals, and suddenly the CDC says, oh, it's less than what we had, that what they had initially reported. Same thing happened here. Our Ministry of Health reported a huge amount and turned out to be way less, wow. and uh, instead they had to amend they're reporting on people that have recovered. Uh, over almost 30,000 people have recovered. I mean, it's really, and, and those are the ones that they know about. I know of a lot of people. I know I have four relatives who recovered, and we didn't report this to the government, and they're fine, including my 92 year old <laughs> aunt. Oh,
1: so your 90 plus year old mom uh,
0: caught? Nine, n- my 92 year old aunt got wow. uh, COVID, and she was asymptomatic. She never even had a cough.
1: Wow. Well, I, I hope you all hunker down, and uh, it looks like you have the right mindset. I know that you're extremely independent, fiercely independent, and you are very skeptical of when government come, comes to tell you what to do, and uh, I'm sure that you follow common sense and things are going to go well, but I hope everything does exactly. turn out fine. And uh, let's, you know, let's jump in a little bit. On some legal issues, and then we're gonna unpack that into some of the politics, of course, which just, we look, t- look at.
0: Yes. Just if I may, the only issue that is that I'm extremely worried about, I'm worried about the pandemic, of course, like everybody else, but I'm extremely worried about the economy. Well,
1: and, and, we're, and, and we're gonna chat about that because it's happening here also. And I think uh, the tensions that you're seeing in, in, in your country, you're seeing them here as well. I think you're seeing them all over the world. And I think that's Mm -hmm. important for rule of law, by the way, because uh, when you have the laws and you follow them and you do things in accordance with the law, uh, things uh, tend to go better. And what's interesting right now about Guatemala is this constitutional crisis that you mentioned in the first podcast. We've talked about this before. And something I read from a a lawyer, José Luis González, who has a doctorate from the Francisco Marroquin University, and he's very excellent legal analysis of your country. He was saying that there's a big separation of power problem. But before we get into that, can you explain to our listeners briefly how your government is organized so that anyone who's not familiar with it has at least that basic understanding of it?
0: Thank you, Jason. And indeed, uh, Jose Luis, who's a friend of mine, is one of the most brilliant minds in Guatemala. He's a constitutionalist. Um, Our country is a republic. Uh, Our Constitution is the number one and top law. Uh, We have three powers, executive, legislative, and judiciary, and the judiciary's head is the Supreme Court. The Constitutional Court, which is the one causing all the trouble, was created only to uh, see that the other, like an advisor to the other three uh, branches of, of government, Uh, so that everything they did would be within the Constitution, uh, within what the Constitution states. So basically, they were supposed to be guardians of the utmost respect of the Constitution.
1: And what happened? I mean, the breakdown, before we get get into the CSIG and and the other, uh, Mm -hmm. I believe, interventionist things that have been taking place that have been violating Guatemalan sovereignty and undermining, frankly, the rule of law over the long term. What happened that the country reached this point of a constitutional crisis? Because for an attorney to be saying something like that, for a constitutional scholar to be saying something like that, it's, it's pretty serious. This is not something that he, he would say lightly, because I've read some of his other work, and it's uh, very level-headed work. This is almost so- sounding an alarm that I think we need to pay close attention to as Americans.
0: Well, unfortunately, Jason, uh, Guatemala, which is a country that represents one of the biggest losses for the socialist and communist in history, uh, became that the war went from the mountains to the courts. Basically, what happened was that our judiciary was has been plagued with uh, judges and magistrates and uh, and other personnel, legal personnel that have an ideological agenda and following the steps uh, set by the international socialist and by the Foro of sao paulo they knew that taking over the courts would be the first step to take over the government uh no longer via uh, actual physical fighting in the highlands but instead fighting in the courts so the courts are now the battlefield yeah, and I-
1: and Betty, before we jump into that, I think it's helpful for people who may not be familiar with it. Uh, America had its civil war. It, it was a, a very short war compared to what happened in Guatemala. Can you tell our listeners briefly that struggle from the 60s almost all the way into the 90s that Guatemala went through because it was a brutal, brutal uh,
0: conflict? Well, we had we had a Cold War scenario here uh, it started in the in the sixties when a group of uh, of uh, military officers became friendly with Che Guevara during his uh, visit to Guatemala, became indoctrinated in into socialism, and they decided to topple the government and uh, and turn Guatemala into a socialist country, thinking that Cuba was the panacea, right. so that the Fidel Castro's Cuba was the panacea, so basically uh, they started this war in Guatemala and it's uh thank you for asking this question because in the US the media has and, and and scholars have sold the idea that we had a genocide going on whereas in reality the military and the guerrillas had people had we literally had brothers fighting on both sides so it was indigenous people fighting on both sides the same people fighting each other basically so uh this when i when when people tell me that my country is uh it's a genocidal country i disagree because there was no extermination of one race over another to begin with um and that's an then, important
1: and that's an important by the way for our listeners uh, and we'll put a, uh, we'll put the definition on the website but genocide has a very specific definition and there's another term called politicide Uh, that's not used as frequently. And I've spoken to scholars about that and experts uh, here in Washington and around the world about this issue. Uh, What happened in Guatemala, you're right, uh, it it was a civil conflict that was extremely complex. It was a combination of socioeconomic, indigenous, property land battles. But it was, you said the key word there, it was a battleground during the Cold War. And I, I like the way you couch it, where you said this battle went from the mountains to the courts. And, mm-hmm. you know, our civil war was four years. Uh, there was a period of reconstruction. It took time. But it takes time for a country to heal. But it's important for our listeners to understand what Betty just said. She is talking about almost a 40-year period of... Well, of 32, some,
0: 32. years. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. 36 years. 36, 36 years. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: It's almost almost yes. 40. But it's that's like, mm-hmm. like like three decades of conflict in some form or another. During very important times in global history, where you all were right in the middle of a brutal battle and yeah. uh, many battles, not just the actual f- hot war but ideological wars, which is what you 're talking about so yeah. it, it, when when the when the battle ended, when the fighting ended and there was the peace accords, if you will uh, back in the, I think it was what year' ninety six or uh, midnight. 96. What happened, do you think, do you think the seeds of the struggles you're having today, it sounds to me, like based on what I've read and what you've been talking to me about over the years, the seeds to what you're fighting today were planted in those accords or in that process?
0: Well, let me tell you, it's a little bit more complex than that. If I may go back a little bit to the 80s. Sure. Remember, in our view, and this is my view as a Guatemalan, thanks to President Jimmy Carter, communism entered Nicaragua. When that happened, the guerrillas in both El Salvador and Guatemala, and pardon me, Jason, for being so blunt, but I'm, I am, you know. That's
1: okay. They, That's all right. Uh,
0: thanks to Nicaragua, and it's my opinion, personally, thanks to Nicaragua's uh, strong uh, communist regime, the Sandinista regime, El Salvador's guerrilla and Guatemala's guerrillas became stronger. They even trained in Nicaragua, by the way. Right. So, uh It was very difficult. It came to a point in the 80s when my country, the guerrilla, had the army, the military on its knees. And President uh, Reagan had his hands tied up because, thanks to Senator Patrick Leahy, uh, we could no longer purchase uh, weapons from the US. So, uh, thanks to Israel, you know, Israel was the one that sent us the Galil. rifles and and what we needed so that the military could actually defeat the guerrillas. Um, so that when that was done, fast forward, after the peace accords, now you see magistrates and you see judges that are sons and that are children and grandchildren from former guerrilla commanders. They are related by blood to the people that were defeated in this conflict. So
1: so, so 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 hold the thought right there. So let, let let me just define a few terms for people. When she mentioned Senator Leahy, uh, she's talking about the Leahy Amendment, which is, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's tied to exports of, of US uh, arms and services, and it creates a restriction on who you can send these items to if they're documented, statutorily documented uh, human rights abuses, and there's a whole Process for doing that, and and is shorthand for you know the Leahy Amendments, where it's called after its sponsor, uh, Senator Leahy. Which it's not a bad law; it, it's a good law. Uh, but a lot of it, though, sometimes is misinterpreted or misapplied, and and that's what Betty Betty's trying to get at. That, but what she's also mm-hmm. saying, which is important for our purposes, also is that you're saying that the and by the way, how many people roughly died? It's like two hundred thousand or uh, something like that during the Civil War. Uh, uh, we believe
0: per- the count we believe the count is much less because many flew to the us they just disappeared because they went to the us
1: so so the people that so the victims or uh, the family members of those who died some of them found their way into the judicial system of of your country it's the judicial system that you're, you're, you're part of it that you're using today
0: mm-hmm. exactly exactly they realized because this is this is what the international socialist identified once uh communism was officially defeated in the world. They realized that they needed another venue to take over power. And they used, uh, they used the courts. You see, one of the things that, they, that, the, that the communists realized and will not admit it easily, is that in, my, in a country like mine, which is an extremely conservative country, uh, the indigenous communities were key in fighting the guerrilla. The civilian patrols were in, and I've met several of them, Jason. I don't need people to tell me or read it somewhere. I've spoken with them. The PAC, they're called, civil uh, self-defense patrols. Right. And told me that it came to a point the guerrilla would come into their villages to uh, to take the men and even the boys to come and fight for them, and when they refused, they were murdered. They were. Their, their wives and their women were raped, and their crops were burned. So that's why they asked the military and said, listen, you guys are supposed to protect us, and, and these guys are coming here to kill us, so what, when we're in the middle, what are we gonna do? So that's when, the, well, that's when the military decided to ask for help to the Israelis to get the weapons, and th- those weapons were given also to the PAC. So that's how the indigenous communities be- armed themselves to defend their own communities from the guerrillas. You see, that, so it's not, this is a part of the, sto- the story. I, I encourage people to look for a movie called Nebach, which is unbelievable because it actually tells the story of an actual PAC member who fought the guerrillas.
1: Spe- can you spell that for the listeners so they know what to look for?
0: Spelled N E. BS in boy, a h.
1: And we'll put a link at the bottom. It's a good movie, by the way. Um, uh, so we're going to take a break in a second, and when we come back,
0: oh, oh, it, could, it could also be spelled with a j at the end. You okay. could find both both versions.
1: Perfect, and I I mean, we'll, we'll provide. That's okay. We'll provide a link. We're going to take a, a break in a second, and when we come back, we're going to pick up again where Betty was taking us, uh, which is a little discussion about this war from the mountains to the courts. The current crisis and what's happening. And also, if you could tell our listeners a little bit about why Guatemala in 2004 uh, agreed with, um, in that landmark inter-American court case, the Blanc de Sanchez uh, case, because uh, my understanding was that the reparations were paid. And a lot of people on the outside, especially the NGOs, keep saying, well, nothing's really happened. I mean, there's still justice being denied. And I think it, will, it would help uh, people to hear some of them how the inter-american system uh, uh that's done through the oas factors into this so when we come back uh, we'll pick up here uh, and just hang out for a few more minutes and betty can you stay with us for a little bit more yes okay we'll be right back mm-hmm. okay hello fellow liberty warriors if you haven't heard about anchor it is the easiest way uh, to make a podcast it's free uh, for starters There's also an awesome creation tool. If you don't want to hire a producer right away, you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone, right from your computer, anywhere you are, at any time. It's uh, distributed for you, so that's really important. Once you record this, you need to get it to the right platform. They will do that for you, including on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast. It's all in one place. It's very easy to use. So give Anchor a try. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm to get started. Betty, before we took the break, you gave us a great Backgrounder, um, a lot of history about the the, the the roots of some of the roots of the constitutional crisis that Guatemala is going through today. As we get into the current crisis, can you share with our listeners a little bit about what happened through the inter American system? Is the Commission for Human Rights a functional, effective body? And this decision in 2004 that's uh, the Plan de Sanchez, I mean, did that resolve anything? Because a lot of the groups on the other side of this say it hasn't. It was just part of the problem, but the but the government agreed to it. So, I'm trying to extract from this for so our listeners. You know what? Because the transitional justice is very important in in when there are conflicts like this, and I think we we can learn a lot about how it was done in Guatemala. And there were a lot of mistakes made. And some of it, some of it worked, but a lot of it created a lot of issues. Currently, uh, what can you share with us about that period and then we'll talk a little bit about the current problem.
0: Thank you, Jason. Well, you see, in my view, the Inter-American Human Rights Court. The, I applaud President Trump's uh, decision to defund it, and as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't. It, it has. It serves no purpose except to um, extend and 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 serve as a tool to punish whoever. Uh, in our countries, because it's not just Guatemala, whoever fought uh, the guerrillas, that's what they've done here. We have, uh, we have cases that um, Guatemala has been obliged to pay for a compensation, a huge compensation. I think we still have like three generations ahead, uh, ahead of mine uh, that will have to continue paying for compensations from uh, hoax uh, trials. To give you an example, uh, the famous uh, Mack trial, Helen Mack, who's very popular among the Democrats in Washington, she became popular after her sister was allegedly murdered by a military officer. Well, guess what? One of the commanders from guerrilla commanders from EGP, EGP, which was one of the biggest uh, guerrilla groups in Guatemala, uh, stated in a book that uh, Mirna Mack, Helen Mack's sister, was murdered by her lover in Nicaragua. Mm. You see, it was a a love triangle situation going on there. Not political anything, but Helen Mack took it and went to the sky with it. So she has become one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful, leader from the left in my country.
1: What do they do? What does that person do now? Are they part of uh, of a movement working against?
0: Yes, she has. She leads the Mac Foundation, but she's basically the intellect, one of the intellectual leaders of the left in Guatemala. She uh, advises our current president. She has people positioned everywhere. She was a key supporter of Cisig and Tel Maldana. She worked for the Soros Foundation in Guatemala. She uh, is um, heavily linked. Her, her foundation receives money from Open Society Foundation, so her agenda is extremely clear.
1: So I mean, when it comes to transition justice, I mean, what lesson is there for, let's say, a country, maybe like Cuba, someday, if it ever, when it comes out of its dark period, and the Cuban people and their Congress uh, want to, uh, if they want to, uh, mm-hmm. have tribunals or or or. or, or or reconciliation what's up, what's the what's the advice that you all had there that for them for countries like those that are coming out of tough uh periods for, like the, those.
0: for the majority of guatemalans for the non-political guatemalans which is the majority of the population we're country of 17 million people 17 million people both sides committed horrific things both the military and the guerrillas uh but we believe that the military saved us from communism and again us being a very conservative country we are a country where people uh if you, if you put it in in basic terms if you go to an indigenous person that has two chickens and you tell this person okay give one chicken to your neighbor they're going to send you to hell with a machete in hand
1: because <laughs> oh boy. The That's chickens the, it's their, are their property yeah it's their property it's right
0: their property exactly we are a heavily pro-family, pro-life, pro-Christianity, whether it is Catholic or Evangelical Christian, and uh, we are very much pro-military. We love, we have our weapons. I know how to use everything in the book, personally. And (laughs) and we don't believe, for instance, we don't believe in gun control, and here I'm gonna mention something about the states. We don't believe in gun control because guns don't shoot themselves. You need to have a crazy person behind them shooting innocent people. So in our country, where we have weapons all over the place, you don't see children killing children in schools because we are taught those things are not to be disrespected or misused. But anyways, going back to the, the legal issue, um, they the, the left was extremely clever, Jason. They identified the courts as the number one element to bring uh, their people to power. And they've done it very carefully. If it would not have been because of Thelma Aldana's um, corrupt actions uh, that emerged last year, she would be president right now. Interesting. She would be our president. And currently, she's in the U.S. seeking asylum, helped by Elliot Engels and Norma Torres.
1: Norma Torres. Is she the, she the? sorry interrupt you, is she the congresswoman?
0: she's a congresswoman from um i think it's the 21st district in california california
1: yeah that's right that's yeah right. san
0: bernardino area
1: so why is she asking for political asylum you know guatemala's a democracy what's what's the issue
0: because she's being persecuted here for stealing about 30 million from the country and that is what it's accounted for it's she basically um, made a hoax purchase of a building that, is, that can't be used, cannot be used by the attorney general's office, uh, which is like a phantom building. It's there, but nobody can use it. And she overpaid for it. Uh, she broke all the rules to purchase it. And the person who sold it to her already plead, uh, already already confessed to the crime. So this, is, so
1: this is being investigated in the Guatemalan yes. court system right now? there's
0: an Interpol warrant for her. There's okay. an Interpol, Interpol, Interpol warrant uh, open for her. But, but she's seeking asylum in Washington.
1: Let me ask you a question briefly on the Second Amendment issue. Um, you re- well, you already laid that one out. How much of this, and, and then we'll jump back to the constitutional crisis, how much of this uh, uh, battleground right now, the battleground of ideas, is uh, how much of it do you think is because Guatemala, I don't know a lot of our listeners know this, but doesn't your constitution uh, protect life from conception until natural death?
0: Absolutely. In our constitution, uh, life is protected from conception and marriage is between a man and a woman and the sanctity of the family is heavily protected by our constitution.
1: Do you think any of the attacks from the left have to do with that? Are they trying to change that? Is that Part of the Absolutely. Issue. Yeah. Uh,
0: yes yes, most definitely your former ambassador Todd Robinson, sorry to tell you, he fought along with hand in hand with cig to change our constitution and impose abortion as a natural right and impose uh, change the the definition of marriage and uh, also um, influenced heavily using usaid money tax u s taxpayers money to promote uh, sex education to the point that I have a picture of uh, of two six-year-old girls uh, in the Highlands. Uh, it's I'm, I'm I don't want to be graphic, but what they're doing in that picture, and you can see the, the 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 horror in those little girls' faces. But they were being obliged to learn stuff that should be learned by an adult, not a child.
1: Let me ask yeah. you something because it's okay to. Um, uh, it's okay to talk frankly about the truth and that's, that's no, but I understand. And it's, uh, we're not going to get too deep into this, but mm-hmm. you, you just touched upon a topic, which brings us back to your legal system. It brings us mm-hmm. back to your democracy. It brings us back to sovereignty. You're a sovereign nation. You are an independent nation. You're a free people. Uh, your people are fiercely, including your indigenous people are fiercely independent. They just want to be left alone with their land, do their work, take care of their families.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yes i always have a i was always very skeptical of the international commission against impunity in guatemala because and you all we, you, you referenced it. it's called cesic why is that an
0: aberration it's an it, aberration
1: an aberration yeah, and let, for our listeners briefly and and, and betty's going to unpack this for us even more but imagine here in the united states if we had the united nations send a bunch of lawyers from another country, Russia, China, uh, uh, God help us, France. And they created a commission in the Commonwealth of Virginia to sit in judgment about how our courts, our FBI, or our uh, state investigatory bodies, not called the FBI. We we don't don't have an entity set up like that, but basically foreigners looking over the shoulder of our prosecutors, of our investigators, of our government, and trying to tell us what to do by weaponizing what they claim was rule of law by going to the media and giving it this color of 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 authenticity, you know Virginians would say no, it would never happen. They would be pushed out by the way, i 'm confident Democrats and Republicans would say we don't want any of that here so betty Betty, you know what why is it then though that we don't want this here. Do Guatemalans want the UN to send these commissions and these bodies to tell you what to do in your legal system?
0: No, and that's why we heavily supported former President Jimmy Morales when he threw them out of the country. But let me tell you what, what's happening with regards to that, and I'll give you an analogy that it's very easy to understand. Um, a country, in my view, is like a, like, like, like a human body. Uh, You have every organ that you need to have. In Guatemala, we're not missing a liver. We're not missing a pancreas. We're not missing a lung. We're not missing a kidney. We have every organ that we need, okay? But we have a virus, and that virus is corruption. And I say virus because we're not the only ones. The entire planet has corruption. Even the U.S., we've seen it. It's in the media. In You're the non political yeah. media. It's been around so, since
1: frankly since time immemorial. Just open the Bible book of Genesis and you'll find exactly. it.
0: Exactly. Cain killing his brother. That was the beginning of corruption. But anyways, I'm not I'm not saying that by the fact that it exists everywhere, it's fine. What I'm saying is we have this virus, we need medication, and we need to create our to have our own antibodies, fight it. You see, That's great. That's we need great. to create our own defenses to fight it. And we have everything for, to do that. We have everything that we need. We have awesome lawyers in Guatemala, people that, that love practicing law without political bias. We have outstanding constitutionalists like José Luis González Dubón, like Roberto Molina Barreto, uh, several that are extremely respectful of the law. And why can't they take over? Oh, because they don't agree with the progressive and uh, globalist agendas. Because they happen to be people of faith. Because they happen to love their grandchildren and their children. And, 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 and believe in family values. And believe in, in, in your right to bear arms. That's the only, those are the only reasons why those people are not in, at the constitutional court. They were in the past when the Constitutional Court was actually functioning properly. Roberto Molina Barreto, for example, was a magistrate there. And let me tell you, he was the vice presidential candidate for another party. But I respect the man, you see? So we do have what we need to fix our country. And that's why, to tell you the truth, when I read the report commission on on, um, unalienable rights that came out recently from Secretary Pompeo, Oh my God, it blew my mind. I was so excited to see to see this, this report where he speaks about the importance of sovereignty, of respecting the right that every country has to fix its own problems. You see, what the American people need to understand is that us Guatemalans, our generation, we don't want charity. We don't want the US to come and give us money. We don't want your taxpayers' money. We want your taxpayers to go to the supermarket and buy stuff produced in Guatemala. We want your, your taxpayers to say, oh, look how beautiful Antigua it is. We wanna, have a, we wanna spend a vacation in, in Antigua, which by the way is actually stunning. I live in Antigua, and it's one of the most beautiful places in the planet. We want them to come and go see the, the Mayan ruins that I went to visit in January for the second time, and it's gorgeous. Uh, the people, in my, my people, are hardworking people, Jason?
1: They but are. They, let me Latin let me tell you something. It, <clears throat> it's a beautiful that, that that part of Guatemala is beautiful. I I have been there also, and that that something you just said there struck a struck a chord, and I think it's going to resonate with so many Americans. Is that you have and you've just outlined that I I just didn't want to interrupt you because I think uh, it could have been a speech or a conversation you had here. You have the law schools, you have the lawyers, you have committed people who love your country, who want to build it and to have outside organizations. And frankly, uh, Betty, you served in Washington as a diplomat for a while. You know, there's a lot of organizations here in Washington, NGOs who want to tell everybody what to do. And it's Mm -hmm. very easy to write papers and analyses about how things could be. But you know what, unless you live there, unless you spend time in that country like you have and you fight for it the way you have and, you're, and the way that you want to rebuild the capacity of your nation at not, not just the judiciary, but other parts of it. Um, you really don't have a license to tell people what to do unless you're there and you want to be part of that civil society. And why can't you work with Guatemalan law schools they are fantastic and they're great lawyers there. If Guatemalans need help, correct me if I'm wrong, but, and Jimmy Morales, I think is a good example of this. If you need help, I think we're we're friends. We're in the same hemisphere. We want to work together. We'll ask for the help. We don't have to, you you don't have to be told, here is this organization coming from outside to tell you what to do.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, the the kind of help that we need, Jason, is to give you an example. We would need the DEA to be proactive in the region where drug traffickers are now having a blast. That region that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. They're the kings in
1: that region. And, and, and we're going to, and, 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 and we're that's where we're going to pick up. Somebody's waving at me that we have to take a break, so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the, um, the, the the current constitutional crisis, how it impacts transnational crime, including what Betty is alluding to there, and talk about a few more of the latest issues involving some high-profile cases that are having an impact right here. You were talking about the DEA and okay. about how the U.S. and Guatemala cooperate. And we cooperate quite a bit. Both of our nations have have a, have a, a long uh, and close tie through many different programs that we undertake over there. Tell our listeners a little bit about some of the more successful uh, projects and what could be done better. And then we'll get back to the constitutional problems and how we can help uh, address some of that.
0: Well. Thank you, Jason. You see, we have people in Washington deciding what to do with my country, that when they come here, who they meet with is Helen Mack. Interesting. They, um, They come here and they only see what the embassy wants to show them. So they leave and go back to Washington with, the, with this very twisted idea of what the reality is. When Nikki Haley came over, we love her, hey, by the
1: way. Hey, hey, Betty, can, Betty, hey Betty, one second. Uh, you broke up a little bit. Uh, we, had a little, we had a little, no, it's not your fault. It's just a signal issue. You're basically telling us that when, we, when people from Washington visit, sometimes they visit with people who are not even in the government. Is that what you're saying?
0: Not sometimes, always you have people from Congress, you have people from the executive that come to Guatemala, and the and the the embassy for the past uh, two ambassadors has, as it's usual, uh, handled their agenda, but they have only met with people like Helen Mack and her cronies, so they leave Guatemala with that twisted view of my country, so that's why I applaud so much when I read that that Secretary Pompeo's report says. And let me quote this, the tendency to fight political battles with the vocabulary of human rights risks stifling the kind of robust discussion on which a vibrant democracy depends. To me, that is, un- that is music to my ears, you see, because we believe that it is our duty to fix our own problems. It is not the U.S. duty to come and fix us to begin with. That means we, as Guatemalans, we need we need to work. We need freedom. We want our institutions to become healthy, but we don't want new institutions. We want the ones that we have, which have a good fundament, good base, to continue uh, improving. No entity is perfect, Jason there right, is not right. such a thing as a perfect anything in this planet because anything that is man-made is fallible but we want them to improve they can be much better we have like i said we have we have the tools that we need we have the attorneys and we have the law no, if we if let it, them it, you saying,
1: go ahead go ahead
0: if we let them do their job things would be much different and we also know what the roots of corruption are the roots of corruption were never fixed by CICIG because CICIG only changed the heads and it left the hands and the, and the legs to continue operating. It only changed heads. You see, so we know exactly what to do. We know the problem begins at the ports. It begins at the borders. Corruption begins there. It begins with the indigenous communities uh, in, that are manipulated and and. and There's a few leaders that have been indoctrinated by the Dutch and the Germans. I have proof of this, the German embassy and the Dutch embassy, telling the indigenous communities that they need to do what was done in Africa to kick out everybody that is non-original and take over their land, basically. And um, so these, these leaders, these community leaders are paid. I was told yesterday, and I'm waiting for the the proof, I'm not going to say the amount, but they're paid a rather substantial amount of money by drug traffickers for them to invade a farm, open up a landing field, and protect it so that the drug traffickers can land, refuel, and take off on their way to the U.S. That's
1: fascinating. And not
0: only that, now... We had, just like we had exterminated, and this President Reagan helped us do, exterminate uh, drug uh, production in Guatemala. We became a transshipment area from the 90s till now. Now we have cocaine again being produced in Guatemala, heroin being produced in Guatemala, thanks to this situation. So, and it's an area where the where the military can't go in and the police can't go in because human rights, uh, people from WOLA and Human Rights Watch, along with the locals, with the local NGOs in Guatemala, scream their brains out that the military is killing them and the police is killing them. When we have, we've seen, and I've been to this region. It's not, nobody is telling me anything. I've been there. I've seen it how the people love the military and, and and want them to protect them from everybody because all they want to do is work.
1: So the indigenous that's peoples, so so, so here in Washington, they'll tell you that the indigenous people are being abused and that they don't have a voice. That, that That's what they'll tell you here. What, what do you say to that
0: criticism? That it is not true, that the indigenous communities have a voice. They know, we know exactly what they want because they've told us. And we understand they want infrastructure, education, health, and security, freedom, to be able to work and do as they please. That's what the indigenous communities want. And for them to be allowed to continue their traditions and their, and, and, and their way of praying and, and their, those elements intrinsical to their, to their uh, unique culture. And and we also we also know and this is something that I said during my campaign in the past we need to fix the landing issue in Guatemala because there's many regions in the country that are quote unquote owned by a family indigenous family for has been owned for generations but they have no legal papers on it. So those things need to be legalized so that these people are registered, properly registered in the property registry like everybody else in the urban areas and like many farms have been done. They need to have their title registered. You see- And why, that hasn't, that, why,
1: why hasn't that happened, do you think?
0: Lack of political will. And because unfortunately, Jason, my country has been governed by opportunists. You see, we're not a capitalist country. We're a mercantilist country run by opportunist politicians who have seen uh, getting into office as a means to become rich. Well, you have some in the the U.S. that were people like you and me, and now they're multimillionaires after having been in office.
1: Mm.
0: I'm not going to say names.
1: Yeah, well, we had had some politicians up in Ohio this week uh, who were uh, arrested because they were involved in a bribery scheme using their official office to do all sorts of alleged illegal behavior. So again, corruption happens in every country, but the one issue that sets other countries who are effectively dealing with it and those who are not is an independent judiciary uh, that has a rule of law framework and that you can go back and hold people to account through due process. And... On property rights, by the way, yeah, you're right. It's essential. You, you have a system that records property. You have a, a bundle of rights. You protect your rights and you have due process if anybody tries to interfere with those rights. What you're trying to avoid is this, this lawlessness that you've described and that I've read about where you have these outside observers going in there making determinations on something, sometimes not even based on fact. They just seem to be engaging in politics and politicizing the law, which is the last thing.
0: Can I give you an example of yeah, corruption, sure. why sure, corruption of course. Is, is alive in my country? Uh, a private entity, there's, by the way, over 200 million quetzales have been donated by the private sector to the government to battle the COVID. There's one entity that donated a million of the best top-of-the-line mosques in, in, uh, in the planet and it gave this million masks to the government. Can you believe the people in customs didn't want to release that cargo until they were paid? Oh boy. See, that is where corruption begins. In the U.S., when something enters from overseas, via air or land or sea, there is a standard regulation, a standard procedure, That's right. it's technified, there's no human being deciding, oh, I like this company or I don't, so I'm going to charge my bribery. There's not such a thing because everything is technified. We don't have that. We have here discretion. We have the the bureaucrat's discretionality at base and it's the bureaucrat's discretionality which decides which container goes in without revision, and that's how drugs come in, which container um, is uh, detained for as long as they want to until the produce is rotten and it has to be thrown away. Um, You see, they have all this discretionality and that discretionality is what is allowing corruption to continue in my country. And until a government understands this, but here's the thing, they don't want to understand it because it's convenient like i said the heads rotate you see
1: yeah you know it's it's interesting mm-hmm. professor um professor jose luis gonzalez uh in this piece interview with impunity watch he talks a uh, impunity observer he talks about how even in the appointment uh, of powers of magistrates and things that are being allegedly undertaken according to the law violate uh, separation of powers issues in your country. So you're, you're even down to that level of their nitpicking. It's that bad that you, 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 who controls this process there, basically? Because if you can't follow your own constitution, how are you ever going to get to those regulatory issues that you're talking about?
0: Well, the, who controls everything is Helen Mack and her gang, basically. And she's the one that fought um, uh, a list that was submitted by various uh, various legal uh, entities here, um, such as um, the 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 bar or um, the. There's a constitutionalist uh, association. Um, I can't translate the name in English right now. It you can say come it in Spanish. Mind. You can say but it
1: in
0: Spanish. La Asociación de Magistrados. Yeah, the they, Association
1: of Magistrates.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they made a proposal uh, of names. Of attorneys with clean careers that could occupy positions as uh, judges that could occupy positions as magistrates, both in the Supreme Court and in the Constitutional Court. Helen Mack fought them all, and she's and and but here's the thing: now that our Congress has finally understood the majority in Congress, and our Congress, believe me, Jason, I would, I would reduce it and clean it up using, I don't know what, pesticide. But they, they finally realized that they need to fix that because the country cannot go on with courts that are ideologically politicized.
1: What does the Congress so, do in a situation like that, the parliament?
0: like they, how do- they are as, as, Actually this morning I got news that Congress is, uh, has decided to continue um, investigating the pro- the names proposed both by Helen Mack and by the other entities to choose the best suitable magistrates, they're working on it, and I'm and I'm hoping they will do it. But here's the thing: there's instructions in English telling them not to.
1: Amazing! Aren't there laws in your country? Uh, prohibiting foreigners from interfering in your domestic affairs
0: yes and also there's the Vienna Convention
1: right that's correct
0: violated left and right here we had a meeting here's the thing at the US uh, Embassy there was a meeting about 10 days ago uh, organized by your embassy they invited the German the Italian the the French and the UK ambassadors to protect a woman called Erika Ifan who, who is a grotesque human rights violator i came out with a hashtag this week that is called ifan assassin because she has already murdered several people and why did she murder them because first she sent them to prevent it, to to temporary uh, custody and they've been in temporary custody for 5 years and they got sick of co- sick with COVID. And I'm talking about seniors, people of, of age.
1: So what, what's this person's role in Guatemala?
0: She's a judge. And a judge. she okay. would not allow these people to get treatment. They left the prison in a body bag because she would not allow them to get treatment. If that is not a violation of human rights, then I don't know what it is
1: and so this so this judge so this judge you you know you're saying as a politicized judge in your opinion
0: oh yes she has several cases against her already at the public ministry which have not been fully investigated out of fear because again the attorney general gets instructions in english telling her not to touch eric kaifan and Erika Ifan, again, met, meets with these ambassadors and they published the pictures of her having breakfast at the U.S. embassy with these ambassadors when the entire country is screaming she should be in jail.
1: So let me ask you something. I mean, we have so many things in common of things we want to combat together, Guatemalans and Americans, you know, transnational crime. You've talked about some of it, uh, drugs, illegal drugs, cocaine that you say is starting to... Uh, research again, frankly, illegal immigration you know people you know we, we we can work together to combat illegal immigration, even within the triangle region so and and there 's a lot of good too, a lot of good things like uh, business and commerce you talked about uh, many times and you 're a businesswoman in addition to being a diplomat, you ran for for the, you're being a vice president in your country you 're also a businesswoman, and you 've always Uh, stress the importance of building markets and, and building opportunity and buying Guatemalan products here in America, things that we want and things that you all want from us. With all these common ground issues down at the base where we have to get these things right. So whether if it's something over at customs, because if you're a business person listening to this podcast and you hear what you just said about The discretionary power of a customs official to pick winners and losers arbitrarily—that—that is not a incentive for someone to want to invest in Guatemala. So, the the rule of law issue is a problem because, locally and even nationally, you have people interfering with your legal system, uh, trying to orchestrate or maybe even engage in this passive nation building uh, that is creating and eroding sovereignty. So. There's a lot of work to do there also. Uh, what do you think beyond cooperation with the Justice Department, the DEA, and other agencies here, do you think will help in Guatemala? If there was one thing you could say we need right now, what would, what, what would you tell the US government that we need right now?
0: It is urgent for us to have a non-deep state ambassador that actually looks after US interest here.
1: Interesting. You, you didn't even hesitate with that. <laughs> so you believe that there's a problem at the embassy?
0: Huge, huge problem. Your embassy here is a deep state embassy. You see, Jason, people in the U.S. have no idea that what you've been going through this past four years, we've been going through for eight years, meaning, uh, meaning um, the, well, for a lifetime, but it even got worse in this past eight years. Why? Because you have your deep state interfering with everything because of their ideological agenda. So do we. You have your hoax cases against your president, which, by the way, we applaud were finally defeated. We had ours. You have people in, in some courts in the U.S. that were appointed with an ideology completely different than the traditional republican values that the U.S. uh, is based on, so do we. Uh, You have you have your gang members in the U.S. and then you have that are Latin American, most of them, although you do have some uh, Yakuza and you have a little bit of everything, so do we. we share so many problems so many problems, your country is fighting to preserve their second Amend its second amendment to preserve its family values, so are we do you,
1: do you so let me I ask say- you something do you, do you consider uh there's a lot of religious liberty struggles also do do you see battles on the religious liberty side in your country
0: oh not yet because we will not allow people to come and burn our churches or or chop the head of a jesus uh at a church
1: or try to change your constitution either that's something not, you will f-
0: yes we will not allow it we're going to we, we will go up in arms if they try it again we did it peacefully the last time this time we'll go up in arms jason we won't allow it so, we will defend our country with our teeth if necessary
1: and with that, we're gonna take, that's a great place to take our last break. When we come back, uh, we're going to pick up on a few of the highlighter cases that have been making their way into the press in Guatemala, including of one particular family who has been struggling uh, to deal with, not just apparently what's happening inside of Guatemala, but also uh, he the whole family is being persecuted by Putin, and uh, Bill Browder somehow involved in this, so we're going to get a little bit of of context from Betty on that, and also some closing thoughts about uh, what can be done in the near term to support our liberty-minded uh, patriots in Guatemala. We'll be right back. <music> Betty, you told our listeners when we took the break, uh, right? At the end there that uh, I, and I could sense in, in in your the way you you phrase this that uh, religion and property and rule of law is are very, very important uh, to the Guatemalan people uh, that shouldn 't surprise anybody it 's very important to Americans also, so uh, I think it 's a global phenomenon that you 're seeing right now and I don't think you're you're alone. You have a lot of millions of Americans I know will support uh, what you all are doing there. And part of this is education and talking and telling the story. And that's what you're doing now. So thank you for taking time to do it. Um, can you tell mm-hmm. us, a, t- tell us a little bit about, this this case that we keep hearing about uh, the Bitcoff case. Uh, it's made the headlines in Guatemala. It has over here, it has this combination of international intrigue and, Putin hunting down uh, his his opponents, even Bill Browder, who's a, a, a tireless crusader uh, uh, against uh, Russia corruption, has even uh, started to get involved with this case. Can you give our listeners a little context about what this case is all about?
0: Okay, thank you, Jason. Let me tell you, um... The Bitkov family, whom I've, I, known, I know personally, just like I know personally the Russian ambassador in Guatemala, and he's a good guy, let me tell you this, um, but he has to obey his instructions. Basically, this family, as far as we know here, uh, were in the lumber industry, were very wealthy in Russia, and they had um, a problem with a bank, a BTV bank, which is, uh, as far as we know, uh, partially owned by President Putin, um, they they had to flee Russia because uh, they, uh, what we've been told is that President Putin wanted to take over their, their business, basically, or have, have them sell part of their business or something like that. And their daughter was kidnapped and raped and um, tortured in Russia. So they flew to Turkey. And while in Turkey, they saw online an ad that said that uh, an entity called cutino international was selling uh guatemalan passports and guatemalan documents apparently legal that a foreigner could actually purchase them for a price and they thought well you know guatemala is as far from russia as it can be so as, as it gets so let's go there and they didn't know the language they didn't know anything but they paid a heavy amount, I can't remember the amount right now, it was like $100,000 or something like that for passport. And they came to Guatemala. They even had a son who was born in Guatemala. When this child was three years old, uh, the persecution begun. Uh We believe it was the Russian embassy which discovered they were here and uh, along with C.C. Getel Maldana, decided to go after this family. So, the, so, so, so,
1: so, sorry to interrupt you, but right there at that point, so you're saying that that UN body, CSIG, that was in your country, that Jimmy Morales told, get out of here because you're eroding our sovereignty, started to target individuals such as this family for yes, what?
0: Yes, and it never targeted, and this is where it gets juicy. It never targeted Coutinho International and Mayra Velis. Mayra Velis was Stel Maldana's right hand. And let me repeat, Tel Maldana's was Cicig's right hand. So this woman, basically, when she was at the office of passports, at the immigration office uh, in a past administration, she sold over 100 passports to foreigners, including Muslim radicals that are now somewhere in the world with Guatemalan passports. And two of them, Jason, uh, I will look up the names and send them to you. Two of them appeared in the most wanted list from the U.S. And they're again out there with Guatemalan passports. And the woman who protected all this is Tel Maldana, who is, again, I repeat, seeking asylum in in the U.S., living happy between Washington and New York.
1: So let me so so yeah. we'll, we'll get back to that in a second. So back to this this family and 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 the Putin uh-huh. and the Putin side of this thing. Why why has this case garnered so much attention in the Guatemalan media? I mean, this is just another family that's relocated to a country. Uh, you know, Bill Browder. For those who don't know who he is, uh, he he is involved uh, with the Magnitsky effort uh, to hold to account uh, men. Uh, and others, men and women, possibly involved in the murder of his um, of his associate lawyer and, and, and accountant, uh, Sergei Magnitsky. And there was a law passed in the Congress here. It's a, it's a very powerful sanctions tool that we use to target persons involved in uh, corruption and human rights abuses. So obviously this case has uh, taken a dimension that goes beyond Guatemala. Uh, uh, But also, it also helps uh, crystallize a little bit for people why rule of law matters. If you had a system of of laws that weren't gamed, I guess is what you're saying, Uh, families like, you know, families like these, other families, Guatemalans, I mean, if they do this to a family that has money, uh, or people who had money, what could they do to the Guatemalans who don't have money and who oppose this uh, other path for Guatemala? It's it's quite chilling, frankly, if you are a Guatemalan who doesn't have the resources to fight this machine.
0: Well, several of the Guatemalans that have no money that are that are undergoing the same treatment that the beat underwent are now living in bodyguards from the in body bags from uh, jails. So, yeah, thanks to the COVID and and thanks to not being allowed to get treatment. But going back to the beat cuffs, their, their scene was that uh, Irina contacted, Irina Bitkov contacted Bill Browder because she remembered the Magninsky case. And she told him their story, documented everything, and that's why Bill Browder got involved. But they became a target and a symbol for the left because, and I was present at the, at the Helsinki Commission's uh, hearing where then-chairman then Chairman Chris Smith so, uh, so openly uh, spoke about the case and asked who Mayra Bellis was. And I was sitting next to the people from, from Tel Maldana's office and Mayra Bellis office. They were sitting two chairs away from me on the same row. And we looked at each other when this happened because they knew who I am and I know who they are. So, the Beikovs became a symbol because, thanks to the horrors that were done against their three-year-old son, against their daughter, against Irina, and against Igor, gross human rights violations. But I mean, horrible, and it's it, documented. You know, they it's, it's, it, became it, it, a symbol against Czistig. They became a symbol okay. of, of defeat, that,
1: that and makes they
0: sense. are now they are now being persecuted. 14 years in prison for purchasing an illegal passport.
1: Yeah, I remember I remember uh, several years ago, and I've represented, by the way, am- Americans who've been unlawfully imprisoned around the world. They've been held hostage in some really bad places, or even people who've been targeted by governments with Interpol. It's Interpol abuse, and there's some governments. Nicaragua notorious for that. Uh, they'll use oh, Interpol yeah. to go after anybody. I remember Chris Smith... Uh, several years ago, uh, 2018 or 2019, I forget when it was, when he was applauding that uh, uh, Igor Bitkov had been released and uh, sentencing him for time served and it was done. But he was quite passionate about how the whole CSIG process, the UN process was a one, and he used this word farce. All right, He, he called it a farce. He called it what it, what it was. And it's, um, it's great that you put it that way, that he's become the poster child Uh, Mr. Bitkoff, unfortunately, uh, has become the poster child in Guatemala. I guess that's a good way to contextualize it about what this sort of abuse of international organizations uh, can result in. You know, ultimately that, uh, you know, Betty, uh, and this is something that when I represent clients going through this, you know, we struggle with this. This is the human side of this that people do not notice when you represent someone who's being targeted by a sovereign, they have no little if any due process. Uh, if you go to a country like America, it's very different. Uh, there's due process. There are rules in place. There's transparency. Is it perfect? No, but it's pretty darn good, in my opinion. And when we see it's broken, we reform it. And that's why President Trump signed, with a with, with Democratic Congress, uh, a reform bill that Rand Paul was very involved with to deal with prisoner, with prisons and what have you, and, uh, and, the, and, the, and the system will be better. Uh, but in countries like Guatemala, Based on what you've described, I think that the introduction of these international organizations such as CSIG have only made problems worse. They've undermined sovereignty. Why do the Guatemalan Congress, why do the Guatemalan people allow this sort of thing?
0: Because the Guatemalan people, like the American people, in a the, in the good amount, are subjected to what the media sells them. And the media has been completely taken over by the left in my country. There's very few elements in the media here that are like Breitbart or Newsmax or One American, One American News and like Fox used to be. Um, so the people here are manipulated tremendously. cc began what was called uh, C's Thursdays. And on that Thursday, uh, somebody would be paraded on the media uh, without being defeated at the courts as guilty. And they were portrayed, uh, whoever they caught on that first day was portrayed as the worst person in the planet, and they did everything in a press conference, CC with Tel Maldana, and they made all these circus. And so that's why people here forgot that we have a legal, we have due process, we have a legal process, and doing that is against the law. And thanks to Ambassador Nikki Haley, when she came over and told Ivan Velasquez, the law in this country forbids that. You have to stop. That was the only time when he stopped.
1: I remember, I remember Ambassador Haley when she said that, and it was quite remarkable. And this reminds me of something uh, I wanted to ask you when you were talking about the big cops. Do you think Russia was using CSIG to manipulate things in your country?
0: Yes, I believe so. And again, let me tell you, I personally. Have nothing against against uh, the Russians. To me, they're no longer communists. They're a capitalist dictatorship. That's how I see it. Yeah. But but and I have nothing against them. But in this case, I believe that the embassy here or followed instructions from Moscow, and they did what they were ordered to do, and. Yeah, no.
1: No, I understand. You... I understand. Well, that's, that's, I think that's why Chris Smith was asking for, and I'm not sure if it ever happened, but he was asking the State Department's Inspector General's office uh, to mm-hmm. take a close look at this whole thing. I mean, I personally think Russia, uh, Putin, uh, he's a one, one corrupt, bad fellow. I frankly don't care for him, or I think he's a gross violator of human rights, but that's an issue up for the Russian people to deal with. The Russian people want to stay with that. It's their problem. It's exactly. their problem. I, I don't want, but I don't, I don't want them. Here, I don't want him in the hemisphere. He meddles in your country. He meddles in Nicaragua. He meddles in
0: all of Latin America. Yeah, all he meddles
1: it. in Cuba. You know, I've always said the biggest problem in Venezuela is not the 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 the, the actors on the ground. There, I think it's Vladimir Putin and the Chinese who are meddling in our hemisphere. I think we have to show them the door. They have to be kicked out of the Americas. And uh, I think the country, the region will be much better for it. Uh, I, I, know, I know we have to get going because we've run out of time, but we did go over because there was so much to talk about. But is there, uh, Betty, you know, I think we talked a lot, about, a lot uh, of, about some of the legal issues, the challenges that sound to me like they're, they're structural, but you have a, a way forward. You have law schools, you have like, you know, this, this sounds almost bizarre to be talking about this, but Nika, uh, Guatemala has what it needs. You know where you want to go. If you had a message here for anybody listening, what would it be uh, beyond leave us alone? We know what we're doing. What do you think has to happen besides the embassy issue? Uh, I I can't do anything about that. But uh, I can share with our our colleagues here uh, who believe in the rule of law, who believe in constitutional republics, uh, ability to to deal with their problems. What, What can we do out here to help you?
0: Well, the first thing that I would that I pray for is for the American people to open their eyes and stop funding entities that promote things that are against the core nature of the American people. So they're funding their own enemies. So well, the
1: foreign, so you're saying the foreign assistance programs, that sort of thing.
0: And, and donations. I know there's a lot of NGOs that work with private donations from San Francisco and other areas. People think they're feeding some poor child in Guatemala, and they're not. They're paying for the fuel of a heavily armed, uh, of a a armored uh, vehicle for some NGO person, basically.
1: I remember you tried to, before you give us the rest of that list, I remember, was it Morales or your campaign that was saying you wanted to pass a law that made those donations more transparent?
0: It was the past Congress. The the Congress last year was the one that tried to promote it. Yes. And actually, your embassy, and I'm free to say this, Ambassador Arriaga told Washington that this law was violating whatever he, I don't know what he came up with, and he turned uh, Washington against this law, and that's why it wasn't passed.
1: So the law law was designed to uh, uh, put some sunshine into donations to NGOs or activities in Guatemala by foreign NGOs?
0: Yes, we wanted to know where the money was coming from, where it was going to. We wanted accountability for everybody. You see, Jason, my message is this. Guatemalan people are good people, are hardworking people. We are not a country of corrupt drug traffickers because if we were 17 million corrupt drug traffickers, the US would be already in bigger trouble. We are a country of a few rotten apples, But the rest of the of the bag of the sack is actually excellent quality people but we want to fix our own country we want our sovereignty to be respected we want our entities to function we want our laws to be applied whether it is a military or a guerrilla a businessman or a or a peasant everybody equal under the law we don't care if a person is a man a woman a child or one of the many genders, we don't care. If someone commits a crime, that person has to face the law, that's what we want. We want the, the independence of powers, we want checks and balances, we want our constitution to be respected, we want our, everybody to have their private property properly registered so there's no more, no more land conflict. We want opportunities, we want to produce, we want to sell, we want to create. That's what we want. That's what Guatemalans want. Well, we Betty, don't want this political <laughs> Betty, I it. think.
1: I think you should run for president someday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have no ambitions of the sort. I accepted a challenge, and I, 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 know, I know. Put my I know. Right there. But well, Gua- Gu- Guatemala. Guatemala it, go ahead. All I want is to live in peace, Jason, and I want my beautiful country to be prosperous for no, everybody. I,
1: I know you do, and Betty, I, you know, I, I love having you on. I, love ch- I always love chatting with you because we could go on, frankly, for probably two or three more hours, but <laughs> we, we've run out of time, but we'll have you back. And uh, I know okay. that uh, moving forward, uh, your country with leaders like you and, and business uh, leaders like you and, and policy advocates like you, I know that you're in the majority. And it's helpful that you can spend time and share this insight with our listeners. Uh, I know folks are going to appreciate it. And I hope we can have you back someday again.
0: If I may add something really quickly. Of course. We we would love for the DEA to get to work in the area of uh, El Estor. They need to get to work there. And they need to support the military and the police that are trying to battle drug traffickers in that area. Because guess what? More immigration has left from that area, like never before, towards the U.S.
1: It sounds like a topic for another show. We're going to leave it uh, in the podcast, so, they, so hopefully somebody will hear it. But I, I definitely want to have a program with you. And you, you have some folks that you want me to talk to also that are experts in transnational crime in your country. And we look forward to having them on and talking with, uh, uh, with, uh, with us so they can share their views with Americans who are interested in what's happening in Guatemala.
0: Thank you so very much, Jason. Many thanks.
1: Thank you, Betty. Take care.
0: You too. Bye-bye.